And then we see he planted the choicest mine. He built a tower. And then he who uh, went into the ground. And he expected good grapes. But the Bible says there in Isaiah chapter 5. But it produced wild grapes. There was something wrong. Now, wine growers, in this case, that's the story about. And Jesus spoke this, uh, this parable in order to show who the vine growers were. Those who rented actually the vineyard of the landowner. In this parable, it's about the harvest portion of the landowner. Now, there was a, a, a contract they did. So, they, might, uh, they gave away or rented away a, um, a vineyard. And the ones who rented it, they made up a contract and they said perhaps 40% or 50% of the produce of the vineyard, you have to give it to me. And they agreed and everything was alright. Now we read here in the story, at the time of harvest, this owner of the vineyard, he sent out a slave in order to get the portion that was agreed on to them owner of the vineyard. Now, who are the vine growers here in the Bible? The vine growers were wine farmers who rented it from the, vine, the vineyard from the owner, landowner. And as a certain portion, as I said, at the harvest time, they had to give a part to the landowner. The vine growers were responsible for the harvest. This was the whole role of the spiritual leaders in Israel. The spiritual leaders in Israel had one great task, and that is this, to preach the word of God to them, and to work that Israel is serving the Lord with all of the heart. Now it's important, the Bible says, they had a great responsibility and so it is with every spiritual leader nowadays. Every spiritual leader, pastor, evangelist, or whoever it might be, we have got a great responsibility. And that's why James says in James chapter 3, verse 1, Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as such we will incur a stricter judgment or actually a greater condemnation. A pastor, a preacher, an evangelist who does not preach the gospel of Jesus Christ will incur a great condemnation upon himself. And that's what Jesus is saying here in this parable. He's saying, well, actually, there was a wall growing between Jesus and the leaders of Israel, the religious leaders, and they were actually the enemies of Jesus in such a strong, uh, strong way. Now we read here, there was greater condemnation upon those who do not preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Actually, a great con condemnation is this, and upon, upon what? In verse 2, we can read it, and James says, chapter 3, verse 2, 
For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. What does it mean? James is saying here, the things um, a teacher says, they are so important. That's why what he says must be correct. When you go to a church and there's a preacher or a pastor who doesn't preach what is in here, he will incur a horrible condemnation. That's what the Bible says. And it's so important that we preach the gospel and all the counsel of God. Now, it says here, uh, if anyone is, uh, stumbles in that what he says, it doesn't mean a slip of a tongue. We all can have sometimes a slip of a tongue. Have you ever had a slip of a tongue? I have. And that's not what, uh, what James is talking about. He speaks that things we speak must be correct. And our words we speak, every pastor and preacher must preach the word of God. What does it actually mean? It means this. We must preach the word of God, not philosophy or politics. Some people don't go to church because the pastor is just preaching on politics. I don't. I'm not boring anybody with politics, but I want to awaken everybody this morning here to understand the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we heard it so clearly. Salvation is so costly. What Jesus did is costly. It's not a kind of cheap grace. It's so costly. And that's why, and I must say in Malachi chapter 2 verse 7, the Bible says, For the lips of the priest should preserve knowledge, and man should seek instruction from their mouth. For he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. You understand it? If you don't hear the word of God from this pulpit, don't come back again. But if you hear the word of God from this pulpit, don't go against it. Don't close up. Open up. Because we as pastors and preachers and teachers, we must speak the word of God from my lips. You should understand the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why when I got ordained as a minister, I made a clear uh, declaration before the Lord that I will not hold anything back. I will preach the whole counsel of God. That's important. We must preach the whole counsel of God. The Apostle Paul did so. And we read it in Acts chapter 20, verse 27. For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God, or the whole purpose of God. Counsel of God that is written, I think, in the King James Bible. And this is the New American Standard Bible, as I always read. Now, Paul made it very clear that everybody should understand the plan of God, the counsel of God, and the purpose of God. Everything Jesus preached, 
is the main thing. I heard people say, well, oh, it's very important. The main thing is important. As you preach the main thing, what is the main thing? Now tell me, what is the main thing? I tell you, everything Jesus taught is the main thing. Amen? It's the main thing. And it's so important. Everything he taught is the main thing. Everybody who comes to this church, to Kingsway, and that is our endeavor as pastors and preachers, to preach that everybody knows what is repentance and what does it mean turning from sinful ways and faith in Jesus Christ. And also everybody must know what it means to be washed in the blood of the Lamb. Everybody must know what baptism into the death of Jesus Christ means. Read very clearly in Romans chapter 8. Everybody must know that God desires and we must desire holiness and sanctification as well. If you run around during the world into worldly, uh, world entertainment, there is no holiness. You understand what it means? Holiness is living the way God wants us to be. And Jesus Christ gave us life, life for our sanctification. Hallelujah. Now the leaders of Israel didn't do that. If they would have done it, then Jesus would have found a people who would have received him. But they were interested in other things. The leaders of Israel did not know the will of the landowner. You know who the landowner is? The landowner is God himself. And Israel was the vineyard. And those who were rent renting that vineyard, they had the task to preach what God said in His Word. Now when Jesus spoke in John chapter 3 with Nicodemus, He was also somebody of the leaders of Israel. And He belonged to the, to the council. And Nicodemus, we read there uh, a scripture, Nicodemus said to Him, How can this be? Jesus was talking about being born again. Either you are born again or not. Somebody said to me, oh, well, he is pretty much or she, they are pretty much born again. Either you are or you're not. Is anybody pretty much born here this morning? Everybody who is here has been born really, amen? And also I, I've been born really. And also been, been, have been born again really, hallelujah. And that's important. And Jesus said, Jesus answered to him, You are the teacher in Israel and do not understand these things. When Jesus spoke to him, he said, Unless somebody is born again, he will not enter the kingdom of God. How can it be? He said. He was one of the teachers, one of the vine growers Jesus was talking about. How can it be? And Jesus said, well, you call yourself a teacher of Israel. Rabbi. And, and you don't know these things. And Jesus said to him very clearly, 
You must. You must, must, must. Everybody who is here this morning and is not born again, you must, not only you can, you must be born again. And if you're not born again, don't go through the door home. You must be born again. And that's my sermon the Lord gave me and I studied this and prepared myself. That's so important. It was in Germany when a Lutheran pastor preached in a Lutheran church and his name was Hans Brun. He also translated a Bible or the Bible into German. Very fluently to read in German. Now when he was preaching in a Lutheran uh, church on the pul- pulpit there were all the pastors sitting and he was preaching. All of a sudden he stopped preaching. He turned around and said in German Meine lieben Amtsbrüder Auch ihr müsst wiedergeboren sein. That means, my dear colleagues, also you need to be born again. Anybody understand my German this morning here? Or my wife? Anybody of you? Ah, yes. Our dear brother with his Afrikaans is almost half, halfway German. Yes, and these people, these pastors and theologians, they are on the platform. They couldn't understand it. We are Lutherans. We are pastors. said, no, you need to be born again as well. And that's so important. And that's what Jesus found here with the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the leaders of Israel. They didn't know what it meant to to be born again. Now, who are the fruit collectors? And we reach here at harvest time. There's always coming a harvest. Amen? There's always coming a harvest. And that's why our farmers sow something. They do something. Because they're waiting for the harvest. Now at harvest time, this landowner, he sent one of his, um, his uh, slaves out or uh, servants, said, go and pick up my part of the harvest. And he came there and they kicked him out and they hit him. And he had to go empty-handed and he might have come back to his boss. And he said, well, well where, where, where's the harvest? What, what did you get? Nothing. They were against me. And I had to run. They almost killed me. He came back empty-handed. Now, what did the harvest or the landowner expect? He expected real fruit. And he saw, well, if they are working on my land, then that what is growing there, I should have at least a portion, the portion they have agreed on in the contract. Now, God, what was God expecting from Israel? the vineyard of the Lord of hosts. He was expecting fruit of repentance and not just keeping Jewish tradition all 
these people, the leaders of Israel, were interested in keeping up Jewish tradition. God is not interested in Jewish tradition. He is interested that our heart might be really on fire for God, that we serve Him. Isaiah chapter 29, verse 13, we find in Isaiah, now these uh, slaves or servants who came to collect the, the fruit were actually all the prophets God sent before, before Jesus. And we read, and one of the prophets, it was Isaiah, said, Then the Lord said, Because these people draw near with their words and honor me with lip service, but they remove their hearts far from me, and their reverence for me consists of tradition learned by rod or road, it says there, actually taught by the precepts of men. Isaiah saw there was no fruit growing. He saw all people were doing was lip service. Lip service is not what God wants. He wants our hearts. And of course, if our hearts is right, we can praise Him with our lips. Amen. And that's the fruit of our lips that praise the name of the Lord. Now, why did the vine farmer withhold the harvest portion from the land owner? They were robbing of God's part. God had a part in it and he wanted to have that what is his. Because the Bible says something in John chapter 5, 44. And Jesus said, and he saw it straight away what these Pharisees and all these people were, these so-called vine growers. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and you do not seek the glory that is from the one and only God? So that was the problem. They wanted to have the honor to them. They wanted to be honored by people. That's why they were standing on street corners, not preaching the gospel, but doing so as if they are very holy men. They were standing on the street corners and praying, Jesus said. But when you pray, you go in your, 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 your room. You go in, into your place. And that he said very clearly, these people wanted to be honored by man. The landowner sent his son. Now he did it three times with three servants. And each one they kill, or each one they throw out and send him home empty-handed. Now we see here Isaiah 29 verse 13 says, Their reverence for me consists in tradition. That means learned by road, taught by precepts of man. Remember, he who does not respect God 
will not respect Jesus, his son, either. Understand it. And he thought, well, they will certainly respect my son. An authority figure is coming. It's my son. Now, what did it do? Now, the vine farmers plotted against the son. We read there, verse 14 and 15. Let's read it. And he said, But when the vine girls saw him, they reasoned with one another, saying, This is the heir. Let us kill him, so that the inheritance will be ours. So they threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. What then will the owner of the vineyard do to them? Now what happened to Jesus? And that's what it did here happened to Jesus very clearly. The son was thrown out of the vineyard and he was killed. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 13 verse 12, Therefore Jesus and something got in fulfillment, what they did there was fulfilled in real life of Jesus. Therefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people through his own blood, suffered where? Outside there? Outside the gate. Jesus was led to Calvary. They pushed him out, and he was led to Calvary. And there at Calvary, he gave his life for us, and he was killed. Now, we see something, what he would do. He will come, the landowner, and destroy these vine growers and will give the vineyard to others. When they heard this, when the people heard this, there will be somebody else in charge of that vineyard. And what did he say? May it never be God forbid, it says in the King James Bible. May it never be. And Jesus looked at him. Obviously, they were a little bit surprised. And they said, never, no, may it never be. Oh, Lord. And now Jesus turns, and the whole thing becomes different. Jesus turns the conversation but Jesus looked at them and said, What then is this that is written? The stone which the builders rejected became the very cornerstone. There's a shift, there's something happening. Now, from this word, many, many churches have put a so-called replacement theology. That means Israel is finished. No, Israel was a wilderness and became a wilderness as it was written there in Isaiah chapter 5. If you read that, then you know that's happened to Israel. Israel became a wilderness. But Jesus is speaking now of a total new subject. And it's a subject 
of salvation. And let's read in Psalm 118, verse 22. Do we have it over there? The stone which the builder rejected, that's a prophecy on Jesus. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. Hallelujah. Do you understand it? The Lord is not giving the vineyard to another people. And that's what many, many churches got wrong altogether. They said, Israel is finished. Of course, Israel is not walking in the ways of God as yet in this time. But God made something new. This is of the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our sight. You know what it is? Don't blame Israel that Jesus died on the cross. Don't blame them. And there was a guy, Bell Gibson was his name. And he made a movie, the, the Passion of Christ. I didn't go. I don't have to go to that kind of, movie, of movies. No, no. If I want to know what happened to Jesus, I read this book. Hallelujah. Now, what, what, what was going on when Mel Gibson made this... this uh, Gibson, yeah? I said Gibson. Yeah. When Mel Gibson made that movie, it stirred up in Israel, amongst the Jews, something. Because it came out as if the Jews are to be blamed that Jesus died. And long, long, the Catholic Church called the Jews God-killers. Me, nobody can kill God, Amen. Even not Friedrich Nietzsche. He said, we have killed God. No, nobody can kill God. But God, in the person of Jesus Christ, gave himself. He was the stone rejected by the builders. And this very stone became the cornerstone. That means it's the most important stone in the building at all. Hallelujah. And it is of the Lord. Now, I watched last night a DVD from Jacob Rush and he was debating a uh, Palestinian Christian or pastor or preacher or whatever he would call himself. And this man said, Oh, Israel is finished. There's no room for Israel. And you know Jacob Prush. Anybody heard him? Jacob Prush? And he debated very clearly. And then he quoted the scripture as well. No. The vineyard will be taken off from them and given to others. And that's where it went wrong. But the whole people protested against it. The people to whom Jesus spoke said, May it need never be. May God forbid, or God forbid, it should never be. 
and this preacher, doctor of theology, he said, well, has been given to another people. And Jacob said, no. These who were in charge, they have been pushed aside. They are no longer there, the Pharisees. And all these rulers of Israel, they are no longer there. But interesting, if you read, if you read X, we read there also in some passages, even some priests became obedient to the faith. Have you read it? Anybody read it? Yes, I've read it. Even the priests and some of the leaders of Israel became obedient to the faith. It says, Luke didn't say, he, he wrote it, he didn't say they, they believed in Jesus. He said, they became obedient. That's the point. You have to be obedient to the Word of God. You have to be obedient to the Word of God. Then you can experience salvation in Jesus Christ. Now, hallelujah. So the Jews are not the God killers. What brought Jesus to the cross? It were not the Jews, neither the Romans. It were your and my sins. Your and my sins brought Him to the cross. And that's what it says in Psalm. Have you had again? Psalm 180, uh, 180 verse 22. It is of the Lord that Jesus died on the cross. Was not of the devil or any accident. It was of the Lord. It is too marvelous for us. We can't understand it. A holy man, how could he die on the cross? It's too marvelous for our mind. Too marvelous on our side or in our sight. And I've got another scripture, and it might shock you too. Do you, know, do you remember James, a brother in this church? He's here this morning. And I think a few Sundays ago, he did communion here. you remember that? And he mentioned a scripture, Isaiah 53 verse 10. When Jesus was martyred, and the Bible says, But the Lord was what? The Lord was what? But the Lord was Please, that means it's God's doing. It was God's doing that Jesus died on the cross. But the Lord was pleased to crush him, put him to grief. If he would render himself as a guilt offering, he will see his offspring. Hallelujah. You and I, we are offspring of this. Hallelujah. Amen. Any more offsprings of Jesus? Hallelujah. He was never married. Hallelujah. Anybody see is an offspring. I'm an offspring of this Jesus. Hallelujah. And we again. He will prolong his days into eternity. And the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. That means everything Jesus does, it will prosper. Amen. Hallelujah. Everything he said, it will come to pass. And we see, it's the Lord's doing. 
that Jesus was martyred in chapter 53. You know, that, that, that people couldn't look at Him. He was horribly martyred and tortured. But it was the Lord's pleasure. Why? Why? It's not conceivable in our mind that God would let allow Jesus Christ be martyred that badly and then put a throne of crowns on his head. And all these things happen. Now this cornerstone, Jesus Christ became the cornerstone. He is the Savior of the world. And He also is the judge of the world. Jesus is the salvation, the Savior of the world, and also the judge over the world. When Paul was with the Greeks, now listen, you Greeks there in the corner over there. When he was with the Greeks, in Athens, and he came on the so-called Mars Hill, and he proclaimed in Acts chapter 17, verse 30 to 31. Therefore, having overlooked the time of ignorance, there were also ignorant Greek, although the Greek wisdom was then the greatest wisdom, you know, the greatest wisdom. And he had great people. And even, I think it was Socrates. He was so smart. And he said, I know that I know nothing. And I'm not quite sure of that either. So, sen- so sincere he was. Compared to the wisdom of God, we don't know anything at all. But Christ has given us for wisdom, hallelujah. And now he says, listen, therefore God has overlooked the time of ignorance. God is now declaring to man that all people everywhere should what? Repent. Repent. Because he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he has appointed, having furnished proof that all men, by rising or raising him from the dead, he brought the proof to all men by the resurrection of Jesus Christ that he is the Son of God. Hallelujah. It's the doing of the Lord. And it's marvelous in our eyes. Why? He did it for yours and for my sins. It is so marvelous. So marvelous. So marvelous. And that's salvation in Jesus Christ. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for your precious word. Oh, Lord, I thank you that you gave us this morning a little bit of insight of the plan of salvation. And, Lord, you have not put Israel aside. You have not changed your mind and you're still working in Israel through the gospel. And, Lord, we pray for Israel that many in Israel might get to know their Messiah Jesus Christ as we know him this morning here. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Welcome for a nice